So when it comes to leadership, it's all about self-discipline. If you aren't self-disciplined, if you are not willing to take on a challenge, how can you expect others to do that as well? Welcome to the Costello Coaching Podcast, where we talk about developing the human within the athlete. My vision is to enhance people's performance in all aspects of their lives. I hope you enjoy. And welcome back to the Costello Coaching Podcast. I'm Tommy Costello. Today, we're going to be talking about something that is very, very, very valuable to me, and that is my ebook. It's titled Developing the Human Within the Athlete. And I've put in so much time and effort into this, so I'm excited to share it on this format on the podcast. I'm going to talk about the why behind the book, and I hope that triggers you to go download the book and learn more about it. But just know that I've put in years and years into this, uh, condensed 150 pages down to 30 essential tactical condensed pages that are easy to comprehend, easy to understand, where you'll learn a lot about me and my training and why we do what we do and how it helps people develop on an inner being as well as performing in the physical world as well. Now, on the second half of this podcast, I'm going to bring in someone very, very important to me who works with me behind the scenes on everything that Costello Coaching is. He knows me probably better than anybody right now because he sees me work and he is the one making me look good on this camera. Um, but he challenges me in so many ways in business and life. And he's an accountable partner to me that has helped me so much in my life. So I'm, I'm not prepared at all for these questions that he's going to ask me today, but he always asks great questions. So I'm excited to hear what he's going to say and hopefully some knowledge will be dropped. So stick around for that. But first, the why behind this book, the why behind developing the human within the athlete. Sports are the mechanism by which we learn life. In the world of athletics, oftentimes athletes are developed in an out and up style. They focus often, the focus is often placed on what they look like physically and their statistics. We highlight people for what they can achieve on the field and how physically gifted they are. The limelight is spread on the athletes who showcase the most physical gifts. Nothing's wrong with that. These athletes are highly gifted, talented athletes that should be honored and respected. Although the greatest athletes to play the games are never talked about because of their physical gifts alone. They're remembered for being different for their ability to lead, inspire, and change cultures. So once a certain level is reached, most athletes are relatively all the same physically. You'll always have your freak standouts. But for the most part, at the collegiate and professional levels, the athletes in their respective sports are relatively the same size, speed, and strength. So what is the separator? After participating in high-level sports and training the best athletes in the world, it became clear. Going up and out is essential to get to a certain level. But to achieve a high level, one must go down and in. What does that even mean? Most people never take the time to go down inside their inner being. Looking at what is happening inside your heart takes deep reflection. It can take a rock bottom moment to understand what you want and why you want it. And I'm different because I make going down and in part of my training. Because no matter how physically strong someone becomes, the most challenging moments in sports will not showcase your physical gifts. It will test your inner strength. Even the greatest athletes will crumble when the lights become the brightest. And if your heart has yet to be coached or tested, you'll fall apart. That's the intro to my book, the why behind the book. And as you can see, 
it's very tailored to the inner being of the human. Understanding what makes that human the best person possible. I was actually on a on a call with one of the athletes that I train and who's a very close friend of mine. And, you know, the conversation was about him with a team and he was going through training camp in the NFL and, you know, getting cut and or making the roster and some physical injuries that he was going through. And he was there was a lot that had to be managed. But I told him, I said, the most important thing right now is if you are okay. If you as a human are okay, you are going to shine your greatest athleticism. You're going to shine your greatest physical gifts. So first things first is take care of you. Take care of your physical body. Take care of your mind. Take care of your spirit. And then whatever field you show up at, you will perform your best. If you bring the best you to that field. So a lot of times that goes that's obvious, right? I say that and that, that sounds so obvious. It sounds so clear. It sounds like it should take take place and it should happen. But a lot of the times it doesn't. A lot of the times people are constantly showing up for others or they got to do this for this coach or they got to perform for this scout or they got to perform for this general manager so that they get paid. And those are real things. That's a real life. We all have to go through that. We all have to show up and get the work done. But if you don't take the time to take care of or take awareness for what's going on in your inside world and knowing what's going on inside your inner being and working on yourself, you then will show up and perform better. Jim Rohn famously says it, work harder on yourself than you do your job and then your job will take care of itself. And that's what this means. So in the world of athletics, it's it goes without saying, but the people that are happiest and clear of mind and have the relative physical abilities are the ones that are performing at their best. If you tune into hard knocks, you'll see how relaxed and calm Aaron Rodgers is at practice in comparison to the athlete that is on the verge of being cut and a little injured. Now, Aaron Rodgers is in a completely different position in his life than maybe a 23-year-old trying to make an active roster in the NFL. But what you'll notice is Aaron Rodgers probably performs a whole lot better because he is in that calm, safe place in his life. And he's done a lot of work on himself where he can show up and perform to his highest abilities physically. So that's a little bit about my book. And I dive deep into these concepts of your physical, how to take care of your physical, how to take care of your mental, how to take care of your emotional. Owning your optimism is a topic that I I talk about, how to take ownership for your optimistic point of view and staying optimistic and how to stay optimistic and have a positive mindset. So this is a great book. I have put my, I, I, I believe in it wholeheartedly, obviously, because I wrote it. But more importantly, I took years to put this thing together. Like I said, 150 pages condensed down to 30, easy to read and tons of information that is tactical. So give that a download on the website, tommycostello.com, and you'll find great information inside that book. Hey guys, hope you're enjoying the show. Only way this podcast grows is if it's shared. So please share it with your friends, family, or anyone you feel like it can help enhance their performance in their life. A little karma goes a long way. Let's get back to the show. Now, transitioning into the next part of this podcast, I'm going to bring on Lucas Keeler, my man, and he's going to have a couple questions for me. So I don't know what these questions are, but go ahead, Lucas, shoot, and I'll do my best to answer them for you. What's up, everybody? Um, first question we got here that we are very specific to Tommy is that Blake was able to gain so much power in his swing this year and crush it in the minors and is now in the majors. What did you guys change in the, in the weight room? Great question. So Blake is now with the Washington Nationals playing in the big leagues, and he was in the minor leagues for the past six years. Blake did it. First off, he he made a decision. We got 
clear on where he was at in his headspace. Uh, he was unclear at the beginning of the offseason, and he had a lot of uncertainties going on in his baseball career. So we first took about a month and a half, two months to get him mentally right. Once he got right mentally, the physical became easy. We started putting on a ton of strength and power, strength and power, strength and power, strength and power. He needed more home runs. So a lot of the work was based on bar speed. So velocity of the bar, velocity-based training, as well as volume training, uh, German volume training, where we're doing maximal strength building. So we put on a lot of size and mass for him, but then it got very detailed when we took him down to TPI and he got tested by a guy named Dr. Greg Rose on a 3D motion capture. And we understood that his pelvis wasn't rotating in the fashion that he completely wanted it to. It's why he was missing pitches or he was so strong, but he wasn't able to generate as much exit velo as strength he had accounted for. So we took him through these really cool uh, testing that really allowed us to understand what kind of training we needed to do. So the training shifted come January, middle of January, from strength and power to putting a primary focus on how his pelvis was rotating. So we utilized a 3D strap, which is uh, a tool where we use the 3D strap on pretty much all his exercises so that he was forced to utilize his pelvis and how his obliques were rotating through while he was making specific movements in the gym. That was the real catapult where then he was able to use the strength and power that he built and the ground force was going into the barrel rather than being lost through the midsection. And Blake is uh, is doing great, super proud of him, and he's continuing to do his work as he's out there playing for the Nationals. How do you approach training methods for pitchers and what makes your philosophy unique? Well, first off, I'm always looking at it, how can we make these people throw healthier? So how can we give this athlete specific adjustments if they're needed, but more so how can we make this pitcher move more efficiently? Because typically efficient movements allow for more movements. So the more efficiently you can move, the more volume you can handle. Uh, Think of it as, you know, I'm going to make an analogy, but if you're a really efficient reader, you can read more books and you could read more books in a faster time. So with a thrower, you want to make them move very efficiently and teaching them what are the sequences and patterns that they need to move in. And wherever they're challenged then in those movement patterns, then you use the gym to help strengthen their weakest links. And if you can strengthen their weakest links, what happens is the movement patterns become more efficient. So it's a combination of addressing movement patterns and then where the movement patterns are weak, you strengthen them, and then the movement patterns become more fluid and more efficient. What are some common misconceptions about gaining velocity? Mm. What advice do you have for aspiring pitchers looking to increase your speed? Common misconceptions is that you're going to hop on a throwing program and it's going to fix everything for you. It starts with movement patterns. So gaining velocity is about movement patterns and your ability to repeat the movement patterns. Another uh, component into velocity that I talk about with with the pitchers is it's not so much about hitting your hitting a top velocity like oh I hit that velo it's about what is your bottom so what's your floor not your ceiling so a lot of times athletes say they want to hit 90 and that's great and they come in they're 85 mile an hour thrower and they want to throw 90 cool we could help you and understand what patterns and what strength you're missing in order to throw that number but let's change the mindset If you want to throw 90, let's say that you will never throw a fastball under 88 miles an hour. Then that might mean that you hit 91, 92 a few times, but you're not going to go out there and throw 
83. Because a lot of times the the de- the specific demographic that we work with, the the high school, college, and uh, pro working his way up the system is not so much that they um, don't have the ability to do it. It's they're too varying in the velocity that they show up in. So a lot of times they could have a really high ceiling and then a super low floor. So what we want to do is make them more consistent. And what we find is that's usually movement efficiency uh, caused. So if they if they don't move efficiently, their velocity is going to be inconsistent. And that's where a lot of people lack their focus is they take it away from their movement patterns and they put it towards a, a specific um, weighted ball routine that they're trying to do that's going to make the velocity happen. That, that It can only do so much. So if you want to throw extremely hard, become an extremely efficient mover and then use the weighted balls, use the programming, use the strength training as a complement to those movement patterns. What are some of the biggest challenges you face in coaching? How have you overcome them? I think one of the biggest challenges for me as a coach is filtering the noise for people. There's so many different voices in people's heads that they all have an impact on them. And by no rhyme or reason do I want to be the only voice in these guys' heads. But a lot of times people are showing up with thoughts that maybe their mom and dad have or their older brother or their person they follow on social media. And there's there's all these answers out there. There's tons of information. So I think one of the biggest challenges for me as a coach is helping people filter the noise. And filtering the noise and the fastest way that I do that for people is making it objective rather than subjective. So a lot of times in the subjective, it gets opinion-based, it gets um, convoluted and it gets hard to understand. Whereas the objective can be straight up on data, on numbers, and it can be easy and concise for people to understand. So we try to make all our metrics uh, obviously objective-based so that people can track their progress and see how they're improving. Now, the challenge is when different opinions are colliding on situations, I welcome those opinions and I think we can learn and grow from all opinions. But a lot of times when you're thinking about a bunch of different things or you have a bunch of different voices in your head, it makes the road go a little bit slower. So it's easier to get focused on a simple objective measurement and standard and then just continue to work towards that and stay out of the subjective world. So I think it's my biggest challenge is, is helping people s- filter the noise out there. Everywhere you go, people look up to you as a leader. How do people replicate that so they can improve their team or business? Well, I appreciate you saying that, but I think leadership starts with self-discipline. I think people really respect what I do because they see the consistency in which I do it. And it's not like I just show up Monday, Tuesday, and then take Wednesday off and and then kind of do a half day on Thursday and then chip away at it on Friday and, and mess around on the weekend. You know, that's why people, I believe, look to me for answers because they, they're aware of my self-discipline. They know that I'm showing up and doing the work every single day. So it motivates them to want to do that. Because if you're accountable to someone who's a slacker, it's going to make you want to slack. And if you're accountable to someone who is consistently focused and working hard, it's going to make you want to be consistently focused and work hard. So I appreciate you calling me a leader in the community because that is what I want to do. My biggest goal with this is building leaders. And that is where my intention is. So when it comes to leadership, it's all about self-discipline. If you aren't self-disciplined, if you are not willing to take on a challenge, how can you expect others to do that as well? And I think the big thing for me is I constantly take on challenges. I constantly am working on my self-discipline and I feel like it's very strong, but I always am trying to get it better. So whether it's my physical body, whether it's my mental well-being, whether it's my relationship with my families, my my loved ones, 
Um, it's all about the self-discipline and making sure I'm taking the time to work towards each dynamic, making sure that I'm taking the time to listen to the athlete and understand where they're at in their life, making sure I'm taking the time to listen to the employees that work for me and, and making sure I take the time to, to hear people in the community and understand what they want and what they want to hear. Um, but it's the self-discipline and the practice at doing that. It takes time to do it that way. But I believe you can make a bigger impact if you have the self-discipline to really put the energy towards people and serve them and help them. And then they'll end up looking back up to you. How important is environment when trying to level up either in life, job or their sport? Mm. So I really believe that we create our own environment within the environment that we live in. But good finds good in this world. So if you're putting out the right energy and you're working really hard towards something, people will show up in your life and it will take time. And it's not going to be you set a declaration, you wrote down a goal in the morning, and then all of a sudden that person shows up at 10 a.m. for you. But if you are consistently doing the right thing, working hard and putting your best self out there and constantly serving others, you will end up creating an environment that you want to live in. Now, your environment gives you energy or takes energy away from you. So be very calculated on who you spend your time with because who you spend your time with can either feed you or deplete you. So be very calculated on who you spend your time with because that's going to enhance your abilities. I constantly surround myself around 40 to 50-year-old men who have families, who have thriving businesses, who are great men in the community. And I constantly put myself around those guys because I know that I'm around people that are like-minded as me, but I'm almost putting myself to their standards and working and understanding where I want to be in the next 10 years and where I want to be in the next 15, 20 years. So put yourself around people that you look up to, that you want to be like, and that's how you can create your own environment. People that might be in a mental rut in their life and they've been stuck there for a while. How do you recommend someone get out that feels they've lost all hope? People that are in a mental rut that feel like they can't get out of it. Number one, change your physical state. Now, if you feel like you're in a mental rut and you can't get out of it and you're, you're in a really tough spot, just change your physical state. Do everything that's in your control and consistently do it. Don't expect something to change overnight because it won't, but set the intention with a time span for it to change. So in the next 30 days, maybe you get super centered on your body. I'm going to be hydrated. I'm going to train. I'm going to do everything that is away from the mental, away from my thinking, but I'm going to change my physical state and I'm going to help my brain think in a better way. I'm going to give my body energy. So training, nutrition, taking care of your physical body can help change that mental state. And then if you're in a real mental rut, I would say get busy. Get busy and work at something. I think happiness comes from productivity. I think it's why they made the 6-1, if you know what that is, where you work the majority of your life and then you retire the small percentage of your life because productivity really leads to happiness. And when I'm most productive, I actually have the most energy. And when I, I'm when I have the most energy, I'm typically the happiest. And so my mental ruts come when I'm inactive, when I'm just sitting in a dark, quiet room, when I don't have anything to do. That's when my ruts arise. And it's okay if you have a mental rut. It's okay if you're in a place where you don't feel good all the time. That's normal. Happy times should make you happy and sad times should make you sad. And that's true. We were born to experience all these types of emotions because we're supposed to. So if you're in a down spot right now and you want to get out of it, change your physical state first and then let everything else follow. So that was a different format today, but I loved it. And I know there's some good stuff in there. So give my book a look. 
give my book a look, please. I think it will uh, be worth the time and there's a ton of value and it's free. It's free. It's, it's 20 years of experience and it's three years of writing it. It's 150 pages condensed down to 30. Give it a look. Please just take a look at it. And then if you guys have any questions, please comment on the podcast, comment on what you'd like to hear more of. You can, you can message us through Instagram. You can um, send us an email. You can reach out to us through the website. If there's anything you want to hear on the podcast, I'm here to listen to, or excuse me, I will listen to you and I will do my best to answer your questions and provide you as much value as I possibly can. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the show. I hope you benefited from this. Give the show a follow, share it, and comment what you'd like to hear more of so we can help more people perform in all aspects of their lives. 